Welcome to this week's episode of Youth Radio. I'm your host, Kyle Ferris. And I'm Lucia Martinez. So, Kyle, what segments do we have on this week? Well, we have two PRX pieces about the Tukey Williams execution and pop culture slang, as well as a commentary by Jaron about the E3 convention. And, of course, Kyle has pulled out yet another conspiracy from the depths of his paranoid mind. But before all that exciting stuff, Jaron has some music for us. Yes, I indeedy do. I am your music host for tonight, A.A. Martini, a.k.a. Um, Blandell Jaron Kai. And first off tonight, I take you on a trip to the nightmarish town of Silent Hill. Here's Melissa Williams on vocals and Akira Yamioka composing with You're Not Here. That was Melissa Williams and Akira Yamioka with You're Not Here. Next up is local band Holiday Cell with Drea's song. This one's called. Is that better? Yeah. This one's called Drea's song. talk about although i've laid them out in front of you and all you've done is spit them down from your mouth poor silver words covered in and now kyle has another of his conspiracies about the government plotting to take over our lives oh well it keeps them off the streets i suppose I'm disappointed in you, New Mexico. I opened the conspiracy corner to listener input and I have not received anything from anyone. So I guess it's up to me to provide this month's conspiracy. Because I got no response from the general listening audience, I'm going to subject you to an old subject. The assassination of John F. Kennedy. No, stop. Don't turn to a different channel. This is a little different. First off, many of the youth haven't heard this story before. And second, you might learn a little something from it as well. We'll start then in Cuba. Up until the 60s, Cuba was the Las Vegas before Vegas was ever a tourism spot. Apart from sugarcane, there were no exportable goods. Until the communist takeover, Cuba was a pretty fun place to be, and the U.S. government was happy because it was an easy country to control. After communism, a small number of individuals, whose bank accounts were anything but small, fled to southern Florida. These individuals were rather unhappy at having been kicked out of their own country. At some point... A plan created by the CIA was proposed to President John F. Kennedy to take back Cuba with minimal effort. The theory was that once the farmers and the workers saw U.S. troops, they would take up pitchforks and slaughter the government of Cuba within hours. A large number of young Cuban men who had fled to Florida were persuaded to participate in this mission. They were sent troop carriers to Cuba. The carriers were incidentally named the Houston and the Barbara. 
It is also worth mentioning that this was during the time that George Bush Sr. was involved with the CIA. Anyway, the mission was a slaughter because the air support that was to be provided for the ground troops never came, and they were killed or captured within a few hours. Needless to say, President Kennedy was not very popular with either Cuba or Florida after this debacle. Well, JFK was pissing off some other people as well, legal and otherwise. Kennedy's administration was in power during the Vietnam War, but was not committed to a full prosecution of it. Kennedy did not want to fully commit the military to Vietnam, although there were elements in both the government and the military that were angered by this stance. Additionally, a member of Kennedy's cabinet, his attorney general Bobby Kennedy, was putting a great deal of pressure on the mafia in an attempt to shut them down. Between all these factors, it should have come as no surprise when Kennedy was killed. Now it's time for the conspiracy. Consider Kennedy's death. In the videos of the event, it can be clearly seen that Kennedy was shot twice, once from the front, then from the back. The government denied this claim, but conveniently enough, portions of Kennedy's brain were lost, so autopsies never were able to confirm whether he was shot twice or once. Now, I'm not going to bother accusing the government of conspiring with the mafia to kill Kennedy. Well, actually, I just did, but only to illustrate a point. There were a huge number of factors that were unexplained in the Kennedy assassination, and in all likelihood, the government lied to the people about most of them. My point is that the people did not question, did not put pressure on the government to tell the truth. I don't mean to say that we're, we should all of a sudden start rioting for information about Kennedy's death. He's dead, and nothing will bring him back, even if we wanted him alive. From that point on, however, the government has continued to lie to us. They have continued to deceive us, and now we are in a war that we cannot easily get out of because the government lied. Where is the line drawn? This country was founded on the principle that the government served the people. That should shoulder us with the responsibility of keeping the government honest. We are not here as a simple mass of ignorant subjects for the ones in power to lord over. We are the ones who need to question, to make sure that laws and actions are being taken with our best interests in mind. I'm not any kind of leader. This is the only protest I'm capable of. But I urge you, as the listening people of this country, to always question, to always make sure that you receive only truth. To do any less, now that would be unpatriotic. Again, I will accept any conspiracy ideas that anyone has. Send them to youthradio at kunm.org. That was Kyle's latest conspiracy corner. Now let us drown out our guilt about not caring about the government and some music from Jerry. This next song is from my sister Penny and her boyfriend Kevin. It is Us by the band She Wants Revenge. Sorry, folks, that was not the heartfelt intended song I, I intended to play for my sister. That was the Dandy Warhols with We Used to Be Friends. Now, back to our host. And here we have Jaren to tell us about all the cool little gizmos that the video game companies are turning out these days. Take it away, Jaren. Last week was the Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3 for short. This is where people in the video game industry and game journalists see what's going on in the upcoming year with video gaming. This event is not open to the public, but several websites do offer up-to-the-date information on the expo. 
And because I'm an uber geek with a lot of spare time, I got the highlights of E3 2006. Because if you were to look up all the information, it would take you two weeks or more just to sort through all of it. I've got the updates on the major consoles from Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft. Sony showed off more of their next-gen PS3 and offered us a few more specs, like an actual price, a real-life controller, and a look at upcoming games. Also, letting gamers know that the PS3 system will include a, a Blu-ray DVD drive. Yes, it will. Oh, did I say system? I mean systems, because Sony is releasing two versions of the PS3, and there is more than just a price difference. Both versions will include an upgradable hard drive and a motion-sensitive controller for play on the upcoming remake of the PS1 game, Warhawk. The cheap 20GB version will not have the memory card slots or wireless capability, but attachments will be available. Also, this version of the PS3 will be sold for $499. The other, more expensive version will be sold for $599 and include all the extras. What does this mean for gamers? Well, it means that we have to save our money, because with games like Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy, and Grand Theft Auto, this is a console that no one can stay away from. So start making that line at Best Buy, because Sony is only releasing 2 million units worldwide on November 17th. Nintendo showed off their Revolution Nary console, now under its release name, the Wii. With its remote light controller, Nintendo wants to appeal to an outside market, getting non-gamers into playing with its easy-to-pick-up games. Nintendo, being a household name since the 80s, may have a winner on their hands by releasing interactable versions of their classic games, like Mario Galaxy, Metroid Prime 3, Corruption, and the long-awaited Legend of Zelda and the Twilight Princess. Also showing up is the next installment of the Super Smash Bros. franchise, Brawl, with a special appearance by Metal Gear Solid's Solid Snake. But the true game that is being used to show off the Wii's power is a game from Ubisoft Paris called Red Steel, in which you shoot guns and slash enemies with a Japanese sword. Look for Nintendo's Wii this winter for a price around $100 to $200. Microsoft showed only games this year as they calmed down from the release of the Xbox 360 showing off the next first-person shooter, Gears of War, by Unreal creator Epic Studios. But they announced the pending release of the next-gen version of controversial Rockstar game Grand Theft Auto 4. This game will be released October 16th alongside a PS3 version. Also announced was the sighting of Microsoft with HD DVD in the ongoing next-gen DVD war. But... The HD DVD drive will be an attachment for the 360. Peter Moore defended Microsoft's choice of not putting it in the system because the system is a gaming device first. If gamers want to watch movies, they have that option. Peter Moore is the head of Microsoft's interactive entertainment business division, and he also said that gamers should buy an Xbox 360 and a Nintendo Wii because combined, they will be more inexpensive than a PS3. Ooh, ouch burn. But after Microsoft settled the crowd with all their controversy, they brought out the big guns by releasing their first teaser for the next-gen Halo 3. You are asked to finish the fight come 2007. Konami Studios had major announcements, as Hideo Kojima unveiled more games in the Metal Gear Solid franchise, including 
a non-card-based battle game for the Sony PlayStation Portable. He also showed off the new trailer for the long-awaited Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. Kojima also announced that he is very interested in developing a game for Nintendo's Wii, also announcing that Konami has started production on a film adaptation of Metal Gear Solid. Although no, no further announcements have been made concerning the film, we will keep, we will keep you posted. Also, Team Silent is back at it developing, developing a game for the PSP. Yes, we can now take a portable trip to Silent Hill with the upcoming game Silent Hill Origins. This game will show us a darker, more dangerous version of Silent Hill than seen in the past. Another major announcement was, the was that Square Enix is not stopping with bringing out sequels and prequels of their Final Fantasy franchise. This year, they announced that Final Fantasy XIII will come out on the PS3, but FF12 isn't even on current-gen consoles. Also, Square Enix is bringing out more games based off their classic Final Fantasy VII. Following the success of Advent Children, Square Enix will release Dirge of Cerberus for PS2, Crisis Core for the PSP, Dirge of Cerberus, Lost Episode, and Before Crisis for mobile phones. Wow, that really was a lot. Remember that not all games have been rated by the ESRB, so please, please respect the rating system by the ESRB. For KUNM Youth Radio, I'm Jaron Kai. Oh, sorry, folks. I was looking at a picture of the new PS3. Well, now all of us gamers are going to have to eagerly await the release of these cool new products. In the meantime, here's Jaren again with more music. Yes, I'm back. That first band, the Dandy Warhols, along with this next band, the Brian Jonestown Massacre, were the subject of a 2004 documentary, Dig. Next up, we have the Brian Jonestown Massacre with Got My Eyes on You. song goes out to my sister Penny and her boyfriend Kevin. It was She Wants Revenge with the song Us. Now, back to our hosts. Last winter, on December 13th, Stanley Tukey Williams was executed by the state of California. Now, more than five months later, we can finally hope for the distance and objectivity to reflect intelligently on his death. What exactly it meant and the implications it bears on our American system of execution. In this next piece, 19-year-old Greg Shimada narrates his experience of the last four hours of Tukey Williams' life from outside San Quentin Prison. You always hear about protesters outside of prison waiting for an execution. 
I never thought I'd be there. I'm not too political. Like, I'm always fighting with my boss, the voice of youth director, because she thinks my art needs to be more than just straight-up rebellion or making stuff that looks good. Sometimes, I see her point. I see there's a lot of screwed-up stuff in this world. But I tell her I'm torn between trying to change the world and just trying to make something, like music or pictures, that will ease people's suffering, make them smile just a little bit with this world that's so messed up. So, I'm not really the right person to give you a reporter's breakdown of the issues and all that surrounding Tookie's execution. I thought I'd just give you the sounds of the night, accompanied by a sense, in present tense, of what was happening in my head, just as the following moments were being recorded, as if you could have recorded my thoughts in my brain, along with the protesters' drums and the circling copters. I hope that's cool, and we'll start in the car on our way there. Greg, perhaps you would like to tell us where, uh, what we're doing right now. We are uh, going down 101, and we're going to uh, Marin County, and we're going to go to San Quentin Prison and see, uh, see if he's going to get electrocuted or lethal injection. So I'm not entirely informed on everything to do with Tookie's execution. Unless a miracle. There might be a miracle tonight, but miracles don't usually happen. But as you can hear, I was hoping for him not to die. Because even though I don't know all the facts, I heard from news stories that he turned things around. I've read a few chapters of his book, but I do think some people deserve to be killed, like child molesters, people who torture. They can't live in our society. Yeah, for sure. There's some evil people out there, and they're never going to be good, you know, good anymore, you know? They don't have any place. I guess they have a place on the earth, but I don't like them being here, there, you know? That's As we get to the exit, I'm feeling weird. Because someone is going to die tonight, and everyone knows when and where, but can't do anything. And our money, well not my money, I guess, but taxpayer money is spent to kill him. Weird world that we're living in, I think, as we're coming off the exit. Apparently the parking is going to be really difficult. So Tatiana goes off to find a spot for our car while Katie and me walk up. And I don't even know if there's going to be like a riot or if it's going to be more like Wednesday Night Market. Well, here are some first impressions. You can see the bay now. All parts of it, you can see Golden Gate Bridge. There's a little boat down there. See that boat? Look at that boat. So now we're walking up into like a little neighborhood. I don't even know. It's pretty crazy to live right next to a prison. Now we see like a huge satellite. And then there's even more satellites and more satellites. Just a lot of uh, satellites, a lot of news cameras. Now the bright lights are coming in more. You know, the cops are patrolling, see? Can you hear me? Something's up. A lot of things are going on right now. A lot, of, a lot to look at. Almost looks like a camera set, you know, like a movie set. Hot cocoa. Hot cocoa. Hot cocoa. They're selling hot cocoa. That's nice. Let's make some profit off someone's death. We pass through an area where the people are bustling around, over to the part right up against the gate to San Quinn, where everyone is packed around the stage. There are so many different people, crips, hippies, yuppies, people that you never think you'd see together, that we have to push through to get to near where the people are speaking. I can't see them, but we can clearly hear the talkers, like one guy talking about the Bible. And Paul is the greatest witness of the divinity of Christ, yet he was a persecutor of Christians in his previous life. 
Moses killed a man. But God looked past his history to see the good of what his heart was for the redemption and salvation of others. And I'm hella tired. I feel so hot with all these people around. And I'm sick anyway. It's only 8 and we still have 4 hours to go. Why are we here so early? I'm mostly looking at the crowd and there's so many different reactions to things. There's one guy asleep by the front of the stage, just passed out. The Nation of Islam guys, looking very sharp as usual, chilling up at the front, seem real serious, and they say right on when they like something. Other people are maybe meditating? Most people have blank stares on their face though, as if they don't know how to react. What is the rush? Is it a rush for justice? Just kind of justice? Does this really mean anything to us? Does this comfort anybody? Does this satisfy anybody? Then, Tatiana calls. She's here and tells me to meet her near the giant paper mache Gandhi. The scene is almost like a weird kind of carnival. People are selling the socialist newsletter. Some guy is offering granola bars and tea. I am so thirsty, so I take a lot of that and it burns my tongue. There's a lot of signs. Queers against the death penalty, save Tookie, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, all that. And even some writing in bright red, saying some religious stuff. God said to forgive the sinner. Hate the sin, but not the sinner. You need to get into your scriptures. You got it all screwed up. We spot big tension between a few people holding up these religious signs and the international socialist people. Some bloody picture. What, what's yeah, that those damn about? victims. <laughs> those damn victims. They keep on getting shot. You think none of us have ever been a victim? I don't care. That's right. Thank you. I don't That's care about you at all. Not at all. If you found a manhole and died, I'd probably sleep better. We get the mic up in this arguing. That's especially weird to me because this sort of fighting leads to punches in my world. It's like we're in school, how people won't fight because they don't want to get in trouble. Maybe it's these police officers lurking in the shadows. My dream will come true at 12 o'clock, when justice is finally done. It's so crazy what these pro-death penalty people are saying. I'm thinking, like how come they care about the victim so much, but don't care about Tookie? He's still a human. When you repent, when you actually make your peace with God, it all goes on the table. It's actually kind of boring after a while hearing the same argument about the Bible. Why do they think religion is number one? We take a break and wander, see a lot of people we know, friends from Petaluma, Sonoma activists we work with. We're all so tired. Tatiana keeps sitting down. We lose each other a lot. And wandering around, I buy some cocoa from those guys. And then, the poor guys get pursued by a guy in a beret who is really mad that one of them said he wanted to serve in Iraq, or something like that. If you want to hand out with those people, you should, you should go out and kill an Iraq, and I hope you die there. And now, the clock is running out. The execution is only an hour or so off. We have no idea what's going on behind the gates. All we know is from the suit and makeup newscasters looking so out of place, sweating under their bright lights. His stepmother will be witnessing this execution. but uh, we It's so wild out here. The light especially. There's those big bright lights of the reporters and news trucks. And then there's splotches of darkness. Sometimes you run into faces lit up by candles. Everyone is moving by touching people to get around, swerving and pushing. We talk to one woman who has come all the way from Harlem to be near Tookie. 
She calls herself Queen Mother. I'm here to help him to make his transition if this is the will of God for him. I'm here to do the libation and prayers if there is the will of God of an execution that would take place. As she talks, I'm thinking her facial expressions are off the hook. So weird, like an actor overplaying herself. She's so worked up. What is this? What does this all mean? That a black knife doesn't matter. But the crowd in general is pretty quiet at that point. Just asking, what time is it? Looking at each other, some people are even leaving. With only 10 minutes left, we see a guy in the corner who looks a lot like the gangsters in our town. Uh, he, uh, 11.59. Tatiana gets an interview with him in the last minutes till execution time. What was your name again, sir? Excuse me, here. It's like five minutes to that kind of thing. How are you guys feeling? Oh, man, I think it's bad. Because uh, uh, he changed a lot of lives with his books. And... Um, it changed my life actually because I read his book and it made me think about all the th bad things I did and all the things that I, I, he prevented from me doing, you know? Because uh, I don't know, if I haven't read his book, uh, Life in Prison, uh, I'll be like a junior right now, you know? But I guess he changed my life. I like Jesus' Black Giants hat. I'm thinking he kind of contradicts himself by saying Tookie helped him get out of gangs. But he's still talking in gang words that leave no doubt in our mind what side he's on. You know, there's Sereno's, Scraps, but, you know, we're, you know, whatever, you know, we're not going to get punked by them. We're going to come up. Everyone's saying Tookie helps kids step away from the gang life, but sometimes that doesn't even seem possible. That's, are you, are you going to keep on, like, trying to live your life good, or do you feel like this is going to be kind of like a, a thing that's going to make it harder for you to to keep trying to like achieve your goals and stuff? Well, I think I'll be angry, but tomorrow I need to work, so I can't do anything about it. <laughs> but yeah, but I was planning, to, <laughs> like today I, today I was gonna call up my homeboys, you know, just go like fuck up with like, fuck some people up, you know? And just like, you know, let the cops come and we'll just like, you know, smash their windows or something, right? But I don't know if what happens, happens, you know? After we walk away from Jesus, we're really just wanderers. Because the moment they said Tookie would die is past. But is there an announcement? Or what? I'm looking at the reporter. But the courts and Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger said that wasn't enough, clearing the way for Tookie Williams to become the 12th person executed in California. She's so blonde, and I'm thinking, she's probably never seen anyone die before. Then... There's this drum circle set up next to the blonde reporter's crew, and Queen Mother's just going crazy. But we still aren't even sure if he's dead or not, until we get a call from fellow Voice of Youth writer Elvio Bautista, whose own brother was a victim of a gang shooting. Tatiana takes the call. Hey, Elvia? Wait, what? They did kill him? Oh, it's, it's official? And I'm looking at her, oh sitting on the ground, and all around, thinking. It's also anticlimactic, people just walking away. This is weird, but somehow it reminds me of Charlotte's Web. The last scene 
when the spider, Charlotte, and the pig, Wilbur, are at the fair, and all the humans are gone, and they're all alone, talking about dying. How Wilbur's won the prize, so he gets to live, but Charlotte still has to die. And he's asking why. Why do you have to die? So there's nothing to wait for anymore, it seems. And we head back, going by a German journalist giving some report into a phone. But besides that, there's silent people, circling helicopters, and me, saying what I see as I walk away. Um, we're just walking away right now. Um, just a lot of people are silent. I'm seeing different candles lit on the ground. Uh, different signs saying the death penalty is a hate crime. Uh, just different things going on. Um, a lot of people are just walking away pretty sad. He's just died, so... I guess the feeling would just kind of be like... Mm, just disappointed and out of hope. Wow. That was a commentary by Greg Shimada of Voices of Youth from KRCB Radio in Northern California. Having trouble keeping up with the hip slang terminologies of our turbulent modern popular culture because you're too old or just a stupid nerd and plain looking? Then listen, because we're bringing it to you super fresh like a farmer's market with all the commentary pieces you are needing about hip slang, even with a little John Movie star bling bling Hollywood hamburgers. Incidentally, this intro was written by Luis Martinez. Faux show. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of YDD Radio with your host, Spencer Washington and Emmanuel Watson. It's not hard to see. Your kids are saying new words that you don't understand, like the words for shizzle and crunk. Where did these words come from? Who's to blame? How were they created? This is what we will be talking about today on our show. We will have special guest appearances by Little John, who will talk to us about the slang and his influence. But first, we went on the streets and asked regular people questions to see if they could tell us anything about this slang phenomenon gripping the youth of America. Our first question we asked was, do you slang? This is what the people had to say. No, not really. Speak real low for that. Uh, sometimes, not really. Mm, I don't know. Sometimes, I guess. Probably. <laughs> I'm sure. Sure do. You don't want to hear it though. Yeah, all the time, play. Then we asked them, "Why do you use slang?" And they said, "Just because my friends use it, so I kind of been around them for a little bit, and it's just so I picked it up." To communicate with my friends who also know what the slang word means. I don't do it intentionally. I think I just it just comes out when I speak. Sound cool. Ain't no wrong being proper. Sometimes you don't need to be all proper all the time. Sometimes you just want to mellow out. Sound slang come in handy. Our third question was, when and with whom do you slang? And this is what they said. <laughs> I don't think anybody in particular, just when I have conversations with people. Probably when I'm more in casual situation, like with my friends, my family. When I get pissed. Basically everybody. But when it's time to talk proper, I talk proper. But when it's not, I just mellow out. Ain't nobody boss me. Friends. Anyone I get <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. Our next question was, do you know 
any slang terms specific to Durham? No, I don't even live here. I don't know. Ghetto? <laughs> no. I don't know, I'm from New York, so. I got Pimp Daddy, Player, you know, Kumo, you know what I'm saying? We got lots of them, you know what I'm saying? Like, skeet, you know, skeet, skeet, and all that nasty stuff and all that. We got lots of them. Next, we put their knowledge of slang to the real test when we asked them if they knew what crunk meant. Crunk? Cool? Good? Hot? Drunk? I guess like alive, like you know. Uh, I guess really came from Lil John, right? No idea. Honestly, absolutely no idea. Crunk? Yeah, crunk juice, like, you know, you get drunk, get toasted. Drunk? Well, you know what I mean. Just have fun, yeah. I mean, get have fun, Joe, but you know, sometimes I mean, I'm about to get crunk. Yeah, like that. Then we asked them if they knew what the phrase for shizzle meant. Oh, that's like for real. No idea. Confusing? Cool? Uh, yeah, for real, right? <laughs> Maybe I don't use slang because I have no idea. I've heard people say like shizzy and that's the shizzy and you know, things like that, but I have no idea what it means. That sounds almost Yiddish. For sizzle my nizzle. That mean, what's, you know, for sizzle my nizzle. Dang, I forgot what's new, dog. What that mean? Like, for sizzle. It does. I, it, well, you've probably never heard the words we use in New York that uh, pertain to uh, a lot of Yiddish, even though you're not Jewish, you'll use it. Fishtunkena. It's like uh, stupid in, in Yiddish. After we gathered all the information from these people, we decided to consult with professionals about the matter. The first person we talked to was a local MC by the name of Karen. We asked him, how does he use slang in his music? Uh, I like to put spin, like put spins on, or put a spin on like slang that's used commonly, like for example, the phrase, throw them both, you know? That referring to you know throw them bow, but if I if I were gonna write a punchline about throw them bows, I would probably do something to the effect of I'll make you throw them bows like you were archers in retreat, you know, as an archer throwing you know chucking his bow and bouncing. But the, so that's more what I like to do with slang is take it out of its even at, like once removed from its slang context, even though slang is once removed from its original intention, you know. Next, we consulted with Kanohi Nishikawa, graduate student and teacher at Duke, to see what he could tell us. Um, slang is closely related to what linguists call the vernacular, okay? And the vernacular is typically a sort of dialect within a dominant language form, um, a particular creole, a particular pidgin, let's say, within English. Slang emerges out of that, emerges out of the dialect, right, the sort of minor language form within English, um, as a kind of code, if you will, that only speakers of the dialect of this particular minor language form um, will recognize and then understand. Our final question was to find out if he knew the real definition of crunk. Crunk? I mean, I feel as though it has ties to a hairstyle. Isn't this true? No. no. Okay. <laughs> the next person we talked with was world-renowned linguist Connie Ebley. We asked her for her definition of slang. First of all, we're talking about vocabulary words. We're not talking about um, 
differences in pronunciation, for example. We're not talking about the fact that if you're a southerner, you're likely to pronounce P-I-N and P-E-N the same way. Both of them would be pin for you if you're a southerner. Well, that's not slang. That's a regional difference. Uh, so slang is mostly vocabulary, and it's vocabulary that serves the purpose of a group. It usually is vocabulary that a group of people have in common that shows that they identify with each other and that separates them from other groups of people. With that out of the way, we visited the No Bookstore, the first black-owned bookstore in North Carolina, where we talked to the owner, Bruce Bridges. So we asked him, what was his definition of the word slang? Okay. Language that comes from the streets, language that comes from the people. Can you tell us some more on the origins of slang? It's really the origin of slang from the African oral tradition of West Africa from a group of men called the Griots who would travel around from village to village and talk and tell stories about the history of the village and people who had been born in the village and that kind of thing. So then it came to America and became a part of plantation culture and the stories of Brother Rabbit, Brother Fox and some of the others, Anansi the Spider and some other things that came. So it really uh, originated in, um, uh, in Africa. Even though Mr. Bridges is not an expert in slang, he did give us some useful information. Now let's talk to our special guest, Little John. Can you please state your name for the record? Well, first of all, let me thank you for coming today, Little John. And how are you doing today? What? How are you doing today? What? How are you doing today? Okay! Do you think your music has a positive influence on the youth of America? Yeah! Can you explain how you come up with these words? Okay! Can you please explain for us? Yeah! Um, okay. I think that's all for now. Thank you for joining us today. What? Thank you for joining us today. What? Thank you for joining us today. Okay! And thank you all for tuning in to YDD Radio today. But before we go, we will leave you with these subtle sounds. Goodbye. Peace. This is Spencer Washington. And Emmanuel Watson. Signing off. Thank you. With so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being Snoop D-O-double-G. But I somehow, someway, keep coming up with funk like every single day. Spencer Washington and Emmanuel Watson are with YDD Youth Radio in Durham, North Carolina. And now it's time for the Youth Radio Weekly Calendar. The Anderson Abruzzo International Balloon Museum Foundation is looking for volunteers for the museum shop and other jobs around the museum. For more info, you can call 880-0500. With knitting and crocheting being a new pop craze, come chat, eat, drink, get crafty, and basically make new friends at the Flying Star Cafe on Rio Grande at 7 p.m. every Tuesday. For more info, visit groups.yahoo.com slash group slash A-B-Q-S-N-B. On May 23rd, Launchpad is featuring The Business, Roger Miret and the Disasters, Brain Failure, and The Rum Fits at 7 p.m. This show is all ages. Audition call, Time Warp Show. Warehouse 21 is seeking talent for an end-of-the-school-year Time Warp Show. This event will feature excerpts from musicals and original works in comedy, music, poetry, and more. For more info, call 505 989 Four four 
1-800-273-8823 or email Anna at warehouse21.org. Fashion design and sewing. Learn sewing and design basics. Recycled clothing, clothing from patterns, and fabric printing with Daniela. Wednesdays from 7, 4 to 7. Prepare for a fashion show dressing up local celebrities in the fall. This event is free. The Tango Club of Albuquerque meets every other Sunday at Kelly's Brew Pub at Wellesley and Central from 8 to 10 p.m. This is a free event. Capoeira. Ongoing beginning and intermediate classes every Monday and Wednesday at 7.15 p.m. and Friday at 6 p.m. The first class is free. Call Otter at 842-0384 for more information or visit www.nmcapoeira.com. A little bit of information about Capoeira. Capoeira is an Afro-Brazilian martial art that was developed in the 1600s by slaves in Brazil as a way to free themselves from oppression. It combines music, dance, acrobatics, and self-defense, as well as the spiritual aspects. Capoeira is a well-rounded martial art in which students learn about the history of Portuguese language, music and movement, and self-control. Capoeira is becoming one of the fastest-growing martial arts in America. That's our calendar for ne- for tonight, folks. If you have any events, please email them to k1m slash k1m.org slash youth radio. Our fantastic producer was Luis Martinez. Our fabulous engineer was Phil Riley. Our ferociously willed music host was Jaron Kai. Calendar and hosting were brought to you by yours truly, Kyle Ferris. And me, Lucia Martinez. Other members in the Youth Radio Collective are Michael Harley, Shatane Tuck, Tracy Tram, Mina Lee, Mars Chalon, Diana Barrenmore, Paola Castillo, and Avikar Lucky. Our adult co-conspirators are Roberto Rael, Marcos Martinez, Otiamba Umi, Chris Pino, and Steve Emmons. We have a couple of shout-outs tonight. Mars Chalon has now officially graduated from high school. Congrats, Mars! Woot woot! And one of our own youth radio members is leaving us. Luis Martinez is moving on to full-time college life, which means that this will be his last youth radio show. We've enjoyed your particularly unique views, Luis. Good luck. We'll miss you. That's our show tonight, folks. Next up is Spoken Word.